It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Another slop fest headed our way. Good afternoon. A potpourri of wintry precip, complete with snow, sleet, freezing rain, and just plain rain, arrives Friday. March coming in like a puma. We've got uh, we've got a big storm coming. Meteorologist Patrick Hammer. Heavy snow potentially for Buffalo and points north. To the south, we have a risk of a mix. This storm is what's left over from a blizzard that's pounding California right now. Red threat rising. The House Select Committee on China held its first hearing last night on the threats posed by communist China. Committee Chairman Mike Gallagher. I hope people understand why they should care about the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party. Why this is not just a distant over their problem, but increasingly a problem that affects all Americans right here at home. Former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster says China is a greater threat today than the Soviet Union was during the Cold War. Do you think that China poses a greater threat uh, to our freedom and the world's freedom than the Soviet Union ever did? Congressman, yes, yes, I do. McMaster at a hearing last night. China is under the gun for that recent spy balloon incident, as well as the uh, controversy over the origins of COVID. The origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. That is FBI Director Christopher Wray. He says the lab leak theory seems legit to him. You're talking about a potential leak from a Chinese government-controlled lab that killed millions of Americans. Former CIA Director John Brennan says whether it was a leak or not, we cannot allow this to ever happen again. The most important point is to try to strengthen the security and safety procedures at these bio labs, whether they be in China or around the world, because there is a very plausible explanation, as Department of Energy and FBI believes, that it did originate from a leak from the Wuhan lab. The FBI Director accusing the Chinese Communists of actively trying to block any investigation into the origins of COVID. A Homeland Security panel held its first hearing Tuesday on the human cost of an open border. They heard testimony from a grieving mother who lost two of her sons to fentanyl overdoses. My children were taken away from me. This should not be politicized. This was not an overdose. This was murder. This is a war. Act like it. Do something. Last year, over 50 million fentanyl pills were seized at the southern border. The Supreme Court could sink the president's $400 billion student loan wipeout plan. Teachers union boss Randy Weingarten. That is not right. That is not fair. And that is what we are fighting as well when we say cancel student debt. Others argue it's an executive overreach for the commander-in-chief to bail out borrowers. It comes down to the Constitution and the separation of powers. President Biden doesn't have authority under the law to cancel student loan debt. Iowa Attorney General Brenna Byrd. Millions of us are about to hit the food bank line because of a cut in SNAP benefits. Over 40 million Americans participate in the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program known as SNAP, which helps struggling families buy groceries. The benefits were increased during the COVID pandemic, but the extra benefits come to an end today. Families that rely on SNAP benefits could see their payments cut by $95 per month. 
I'm Michael Kastner. Crime doesn't pay, and Chicago's mayor's learning that the hard way. Here's reporter Jennifer Kuyper. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, the first black woman and first openly gay person to lead the city, is now the first elected Chicago mayor to lose a re-election bid since 1983. As we all know in life, in the end, you don't always win every battle. But you never regret taking on the powerful and bringing in the light. None of the nine candidates was able to secure over 50% of the vote, so the top two vote-getters will meet in an April 4th runoff election. Under the leadership of Lightfoot, crime skyrocketed in Chicago. Political pundits say that is ultimately what cost the mayor her job. Mountain snow in the Sierra Nevadas has stranded thousands of motorists and knocked out power to tens of thousands of residents. Everyone here is feeling completely stuck. Most of the stores are running out of supplies. Hundreds trapped in their homes from feet of snow. One person killed in blizzard-like conditions. The storms just keep coming of coming back to back to back. Sheriff's deputies on snowmobiles checked in on snowed-in residents throughout north-central California. This is the real deal, and there's a lot of people in need up here. It's just a matter of who runs out of food first. A state of emergency in effect in San Bernardino. At least 36 are dead, 85 injured north of Athens, Greece, after a high-speed passenger train collided with a freight train and burst into flames. The big question that investigators are asking is why were two trains running on the same track towards each other at high speeds? Molly Hunter reporting many on board were university students. Illegal immigrants will soon be allowed to vote in local elections in Washington, D.C. The city's acted to expand voting rights to non-citizens. Why are we devaluing American citizenship? What does it mean to be American anymore? I've never seen any concerted effort on the part of legal immigrants to push for this kind of right. That man from Ghana waited 18 years to become a legal citizen of this country. Feeling unappreciated at work? If so, you're not alone. A new survey finds one in five American workers feel un- or under-appreciated on the job. Snappy, a company that specializes in gift-giving for employers to their employees, conducted the survey of 1,500 workers nationwide. It found that just over 20% of employees said they very rarely or never get compliments about their job performance. 18% said that lack of appreciation is part of why they'll be looking for new work in 2023. The majority of those polled said they'd like to be recognized by more than just their bosses. Encouragement from the CEO, their peers, and the people they manage matters just as much. Brandon Dixon, Family Life News. Hi, Brandon. Thank you very much. And still to come on the Noon Report, history made in the House. Pennsylvania's proposed cell phone ban and four-alarm fire in Buffalo. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams tracking a late-week storm system that promises snow, ice, and rain later Friday and Friday night. I'll be back with forecast details coming up in 10. All right, we'll look for you then. Thank you, Kevin. News where you live next. Firefighters on the scene of a four-alarm fire in downtown Buffalo. It's on Main Street, the theater district. Smoke and flames can be seen for miles around. Travel not advised in that area at this time. Removal of this year's Lake Erie ice boom will start tomorrow. This is the earliest that they've dismantled that 22-span ice boom in over a decade. Minimal ice cover, the reason why, less than 1% of Lake Erie is covered in ice right now. A Western New York hospital is getting a big booster shot to help with its expansion efforts. Yeah, Strong Memorial Hospital in Rochester is getting $50 million from the state to help cover the cost of an expansion project. 
The money will go toward increasing the size of the current emergency room, which is often overcrowded due to a high number of patients. In fact, right now there's a semi-permanent tent structure set up at the hospital to address that problem. Plans are also in the works to build a new tower that will increase the number of available patient beds at the facility. Mark Webster, Family Life News. Thank you, Mark. Governor Hochul says residents and small businesses that were impacted by the massive Christmas week blizzard will be getting help from the federal government. Low interest loans are available for storm survivors. 50 people were killed in that multi-day storm. Former Long Island Congressman Lee Zeldins launched a political action committee. The 2022 Republican gubernatorial candidate wants to support GOP candidates for elected office. Zeldin says he wants to grow the diversity of the Republican Party and attract Jewish, Asian, Hispanic, African American, millennial, as well as Gen Z voters. History made in the Pennsylvania House for the first time in its nearly 250 year history, a woman will lead the House. Congratulations, Madam Speaker. That's Philadelphia Democrat Joanna McClinton. She ascended to the speakership role on the strength of a fresh one-vote Democratic majority. I am prepared. My sleeves are rolled up. We can collaborate. We don't have to criticize. I am confident that we can debate. We don't have to disparage each other. Republican Representative David Rowe. I think everybody deserves a chance. You know, she was elected. She deserves a chance to lead. I think people should be judged by their actions, by the content of their character. And so I look forward to a Speaker McClinton making good on her promises to make sure the minority is heard in the state house. Republicans are in the minority for the first time in a dozen years in the state house. Pennsylvania pushing a measure to help out with the teacher shortage problem. The state system of higher education wants to channel $56.5 million in direct aid to students who pursue careers in education. This could mean $1,500 yearly scholarships for 17,500 students at 10 state-run schools. Hang up and drive. That's the message from one Pennsylvania politician. Cell phones have become the primary distraction on our roadways, as I'm sure most of you can agree, and that you see when you consistently witness drivers swerving and staring at their phone more than staring at the road. We get more in this report from Family Life's Terry Diener. The latest data on distracted driving from PennDOT shows over 10,000 crashes in 2020 involved a distracted driver. New legislation introduced Tuesday is hoping to reduce those numbers. Republican State Senator Rosemary Brown is introducing a measure that would prohibit the use of a cell phone while behind the wheel. She's working with Eileen Miller, a mom who lost her 21-year-old son in 2010 after a speeding truck driver dropped his phone and crashed into her son head-on. Terry Diener, Family Life News. All right, Terry, thank you. A 106-year-old church in Orleans County, New York, destroyed by fire early Tuesday. St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Lindenville was built in the year 1917. Firefighters think a faulty wall heater is what sparked the blaze that destroyed that church in western New York. A trio of Pennsylvania lawmakers proposing a plan that would incentivize four-day work weeks. State Representatives Dave Madsen, Chris Paelli, and Josh Siegel say the labor market has changed drastically since the five-day work week was established over a century ago. The lawmakers say their plan would give incentive to companies which participate in a four-day, 32-hour work week. 
Employers in the proposed pilot program would be eligible for a state income tax credit. Lawmakers say businesses wouldn't lose out on anything because recent studies have shown an increase in productivity and business revenue during four-day work weeks. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. All right, very interesting. Thank you, Greg. Six Flags Darien Lake, Western New York, looking to hire a 1,000 seasonal workers this summer. The park needs ride operators, maintenance workers, lifeguards, and those willing to work security. Those jobs pay $14.25 an hour, and the benefits include free park admission for both the worker and their friends. Apply at SixFlags.com. The parents of a Starpoint High School wrestler in Lockport, New York, are suing the school district after their son was suspended. That student-athlete was one of those who were accused in a misconduct allegation, which led to the cancellation of the entire wrestling season there at Starpoint. Dave Graber with WIVB. The parents are asking for their son to be allowed to return to school and to his activities. Earlier this month, the Niagara County Sheriff's Office confirmed to News 4 they're investigating the wrestling team's conduct. So far, no charges have been filed. Star Point Superintendent, uh, Superintendent Dr. Sean Croft called the lawsuit unfortunate because he says it revealed details about the case that the district was trying to keep under wraps. It's coming up on 14 past the hour. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. <laughs> Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob the Sabres tried to come back from a 4-1 deficit going into the third period, but they didn't quite make it all the way back. Buffalo pulled to within 4-3, but Columbus scored an empty netter with 36 seconds remaining to seal the win. Eric Robinson had three goals for the Blue Jackets. Buffalo rookie Jack Quinn, a goal and an assist in the loss. The Penguins scored three times in the third period to break open a scoreless game and won 3-1 over Nashville. The Islanders fell to the Wild in a shootout 2-1. Elsewhere, Ottawa, Florida, Seattle, Los Angeles, Arizona, Boston, and Montreal all skated to wins. The New York Rangers have added another big name to their roster. Patrick Kane will now wear the blue shirt as New York and Chicago made the trade. The Blackhawks getting a couple of draft picks. To the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks are on a roll big time. They won their 15th game in a row, knocking off Brooklyn last night in Brooklyn. 118-104, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Boy, did he look impressive. 33 points, 15 rebounds, game high in both of those categories. Elsewhere, Washington downed Atlanta 119-116. The Bulls fell to Toronto 104-98. Memphis won over the Lakers 121-109. The Nuggets were 133-112 winners over Houston. The Kings knocked off the Thunder 123-117. The Pacers got past Dallas 124-122. Utah lost to San Antonio 102-94. And it was the T-Wolves over the Clippers 108 to 101. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, thank you. Still to come on the Noon Report, a closer look at slave reparations, the sermonizing of a big city mayor, and no umps, no problem. Details coming up. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In 1950, British mathematician, computer scientist, and codebreaker Alan Turing 
created a test to determine if machines could think. Computer and a human being would send written responses to a human interrogator. If the responses from the computer were indistinguishable from the responses of a real person, Turing argued, well, that machine should be considered intelligent. Well, 73 years later, software company OpenAI has come closer than anyone else in history to passing Turing's test. Chat Generative Pre-Trained Transformer, or ChatGPT for short, is a groundbreaking language software that responds to nearly any prompt with a coherent, well-reasoned response, almost indistinguishable from what a human could produce. ChatGPT is to borrow a phrase now breaking the internet, and so far what it's produced ranges from the impressive to the hilarious. It's also forcing a series of existential crises. For example, teachers are scrambling to discern the works of their student from the work of compelling AI counterfeits. The tech industry now faces what the New York Times has called an AI arms race, as competitors like Google apply their own AI technology to search engines and ad generators, searching for errors in code, sifting through mountains of data, summarizing complex issues in a few paragraphs. These things have all been made exponentially easier and more user-friendly by the technology. Well, despite reports to the contrary, neither ChatGPT nor any form of AI so far has produced what represents a new form of consciousness. At its best, ChatGPT is a useful tool, able to curate and make sense of incredible amounts of information in a user-friendly way. At its worst, ChatGPT could further erode our collective ability to think critically and has the potential to be dramatically, even harmfully, wrong. The bigger concern, however, is the same one that has accompanied all our new technologies, at least to some degree. What will this technology do to our understanding of what it means to be human? As many have noted, simulating a mental process is a far cry from actual consciousness. Consciousness cannot be reduced to intelligence. Intelligence cannot be reduced to processing information. That sort of reductionism is inherent within a worldview that reduces all of reality, including who we are as human beings, to matter. Though computers are reducible to their constituent parts, humans are not. We imagine. We relate. We don't merely imitate. We create. Though, in a very creative way, ChatGPT just imitates. This is evidenced by a clear progressive bias in its output. For example, it seems more than willing to promote Drag Queen Story Hour, but not at all willing to argue against it. A few years ago, there was a movie made about Turing's life called The Imitation Game, and that's just really what we're seeing here. ChatGPT cannot replace or even duplicate the human mind. It can only imitate it. Today's AI is far more advanced, but it still falls far short of who we are, in the same way that Deep Blue, that chess-playing computer from 20 years ago, did. As David Glertner put it at the time in Time Magazine, quote, How can an object that wants nothing, fears nothing, enjoys nothing, needs nothing, and cares about nothing have a mind? What are its after-match plans if it beats Kasparov? Is it hoping to take Deep Pink out for a night on the town? No, it doesn't care about chess or anything else. It plays the game for the same reason a calculator adds or a toaster toast. Because it is a machine designed for that purpose. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Casey Leander. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. 20 past the hour, Kevin Williams next. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Clouds, breaks of sun, a couple of rain and snow showers moving through western and central New York. High temperatures mainly 40s, but breaking 50 in parts of western and central Pennsylvania. For tonight into tomorrow, fair amount of cloudiness. There'll be some spotty areas of light rain from the twin tiers on south overnight into tomorrow morning. Could be a little ice in spots. Low temps 30s, high temps tomorrow in the 40s. It's in the air 50. And then on Friday, it's cloudy. 
Snow, sleet, crazy rain will arrive. Tuning into the night, high temperatures Friday in the 30s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Great to have you with us today. Lots going on this Wednesday, the first day of March. A House hearing last night in Washington focused on threats posed by communist China. A newly formed U.S. House Select Committee on China warned the icy relations between the U.S. and China are entering a deeper freeze. What Xi Jinping sees is a fleeting window of opportunity. While he perceives weakness in the United States, former Trump national security advisor H.R. McMaster says there are rising fears of China joining Russia in an alliance in the war in Ukraine. It feeds Putin's ATM. It allows him to continue to fund his war-making machine. Meantime, bipartisan scrutiny is also growing over TikTok. Also last night, FBI Director Chris Wray warned China is blocking investigations into the original source of COVID. Both the FBI and the Energy Department on the record supportive of the lab leak theory for how the world caught COVID. They say the evidence points to the virus escaping from a lab in China. Conservative columnist Clay Travis says pandemic point man Dr. Anthony Fauci has a lot of explaining to do on this front. Dr. Fauci, not only do I believe he lied to Congress about this, he was helping to use American taxpayer dollars to fund gain-of-function research in China. And that's where this whole rig job, in my opinion, started. Over 7 million people worldwide have died from COVID. Two trains on the same tracks collided Tuesday near Athens, Greece. Over 30 dead, dozens more hurt. The passenger train was packed with students coming home after a holiday weekend. They slammed into a freight train, a head-on collision and then a fire that engulfed the front carriages. Some passengers were reportedly thrown through the train's windows on impact. Others smashed through the glass to escape. Correspondent Holly Williams, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is not a fan of the separation of church and state. During a speech at an interfaith breakfast, Mayor Eric Adams appeared to make the case for a more religious New York City. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body, church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. He added, When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. The New York Civil Liberties Union criticized the mayor, saying in order for our government to truly represent us, it must not favor any belief over another. Scott Pringle, New York. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves has just signed a bill banning gender-affirming treatment for anyone under 18. No child in Mississippi will have these drugs or surgeries pushed upon them. This stops today. Similar moves have been made in Utah and South Dakota. San Francisco's panel on slave reparations recommending black residents each be paid $5 million. Black civil rights attorney Leo Terrell says that's a terrible idea. No one alive is responsible for the sins of slavery. California was a free state. The law is unconstitutional. It's illegal. It violates the equal protection law. It is basically giving money to people based on skin color. Geraldo Rivera, Fox News. It is a terrible idea. The last thing people who are impoverished need is more reasons not to work. While slavery was never legal in San Francisco, reparation activists say the city imposed decades of racist policies that economically harmed black residents. No umpires were there to call the spring training game yesterday from Bradenton, Florida as the bottom of the ninth inning. The game was over, though. In the top of the ninth, Pirates win 7 
seven to four over the Orioles, but the Baltimore Orioles decided to keep playing so they could get a young pitcher some extra work. What do you think? No. All right. Yeah, the television crew had fun with that. They called the balls and strikes from the booth. It was the catcher who actually made the calls, though, because the umpires had vacated the premises. It's now coming up on 25 past the hour. This is the Noon Report. Welcome back to another edition of Real Answers with Christopher Anderson. Wednesdays during the Noon Report, we tackle the tough topics facing today's families with licensed mental health counselor Christopher Anderson. And today we look at legalism and its connection to mental health, Chris. We do, Brandon. And a cornerstone scripture of my counseling office here is Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And just to throw this out there, too, while it's not a requirement for my clients to be Christian when they come into the office, the scripture is on the wall somewhere, or right there, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> and, but the scripture really truly outlines how change takes place, and it shows that modern-day psychologists were borrowing what God had already penned long before they were in business. So, Chris, what's the connection, then, between legalism and mental health? Well, legalism is a term used to describe the tendency of people to approach Christianity as a transaction that demands payment for goods received, very similar to our modern-day economies, if you will. This is the essence of a religion, which Christianity is not, and this is not what God intended as we cannot pay enough. In other words, our efforts cannot be good enough in order to merit God's favor or to pay off our debt and ultimately secure our eternal home in heaven. So it is not what the relational nature of Christianity is. The whole basis of our faith of Christianity is built on simply accepting what we could not earn despite our best efforts. So sadly, so many denominations don't even understand this. So it's not surprising that people who have grown up in legalistic denominations don't understand grace. But getting to your question, Brandon, about the connections between legalism and our mental health is that legalism can really be sneaky and devious in the way it operates, you know, operating just below the surface, as well as where we have entrenched beliefs that may be specific to our own situations as well, so not just necessarily scriptural issues. So these entrenched beliefs cause us distress, and then we attribute them falsely to God's character or what the Bible says, even though that's not true. So we may live with this undercurrent of fear, of inadequacy, because of how we see God and interact with Him that ultimately then impacts how we see ourselves, how we interact with others, and then how we view our situation and our future. So if people are struggling in their faith or with their mental health, and either they know it's related to their beliefs or are unsure, what can they do? Something that I encourage my clients to do routinely, especially if they have anxiety or depression symptoms, is to take time to put some words to their emotions or spend time really identifying the messages behind their symptoms. And now I tell them to try not to run away or just get rid of the anxiety or the depression without doing this. But at times you need to kind of stay with it, to sit with a pen and paper or a computer and just try to identify what your thinking patterns or your beliefs are that were going through your head immediately prior to noticing an intensification of anxiety or depression. And then try to write down some words to identify and specify the belief or the fears that were there. And then I help them, when they bring those writings into me, I help them to try to identify the error 
in their beliefs using scripture and or just help them to use evidence from their own lives or from the reality of life in general to show them that their beliefs are faulty or leading them to an intensification of their symptoms. So when legalism is involved, I also try to help them to get to the source of those beliefs to show them that perhaps they were sitting under false teachings or sometimes they've been under it for their entire lives, and then encourage them to use the word found in the Bible to refute the beliefs, and then also making sure someone is not continuing to feed the problem by remaining in a legalistic or workspace congregation. That's also something important to address, obviously. So the family life listening area covers a lot of rural territory where there may not be a lot of options for folks to plug into a healthy grace teaching congregation. Any suggestions for those people? That is a very, very good question, Brandon, and it does. It takes some, really some creative ways of addressing this issue in rural areas, how to connect with others in a church setting that is strong in the Word and addresses legalism by basically preaching grace. And while I don't want to dismiss the significance of being in a Bible-believing church, I also don't want to minimize the importance of what we're addressing today and say that any church is better than nothing. I mean, there are some congregations that really can do a very big disservice to their folks. So you may want to consider utilizing the many online teachings that you can find right here on Family Life, especially those after the lunch hour and in the evenings, to kind of supplement what you're getting from your own church if you're having a hard time finding a good congregation to plug into. If there is a stronger church within a reasonable drive, you may want to consider switching or maybe just make the drive once or twice a month if you're able to do that, just so you can connect with others even if they are a little bit further away. Also, don't forget to connect online as well. While that's not really the best option, nor should it be a substitute for meeting in person with folks in a church setting, but it can help to fill a bit of the gap if you're in one of those rural areas with really few options for strong church congregations. You've been listening to another edition of Real Answers with Christopher Anderson. It airs Wednesdays during the noon report. We tackle the tough topics facing today's families with Christian counselor Christopher Anderson. All right, guys, great discussion today. Download all our Real Answers podcasts at familylife.org. Just look for the news icon on the podcast page. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. All eyes right now are on a storm in the western United States that will be moving east. It looks like another slop fest for our region as we head toward the end of the week with snow, sleet, freezing rain, and rain expected Friday and Friday night. Here are the details, first of all, for this afternoon. Clouds, breaks of sun. A couple of rain and snow showers moving through western and central New York, and a few will skirt the northern tier of Pennsylvania. High temperatures mainly 40s, but breaking 50 in parts of western and central Pennsylvania. For tonight into tomorrow, a fair amount of cloudiness. There'll be some spotty areas of light rain from the twin tiers on south overnight into tomorrow morning. Could be a little ice in spots. Low temps 30s, high temps tomorrow in the 40s to near 50. And then on Friday, it's cloudy. Snow, sleet, freezing rain will arrive. That'll be for most areas in the afternoon, continuing into the night. High temperatures Friday in the 30s. All right, Kevin, thank you. Find that new applications now available for a rather rough contest. If you're the owner of an aesthetically challenged canine, then you might want to pause because applications are now available for a contest for the world's ugliest dog. 
Held each year during June in California, organizers of this canine clash are looking for dogs who have too little hair, too many wrinkles, an unusual nose or a funny waddle, or anything else that sets them apart. And while the contest is billed as a celebration of the imperfections that make dogs lovable, a good many of them are rescues from shelters and puppy mills. So one of the main goals of the competition is to raise awareness for dog adoption. The top prize is $1,500, and applications are available on the contest website. If you have a dog that fits the bill, why not apply? Your pup might just win because anything is possible. Brian Query, Family Life News. Hi, Brian. Thank you very much. Just like that, our time is up. That's the world we live in. Wednesday, the first day of March. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.